0: Welcome to the Daily Canon podcast. Welcome to part 2 of our epic 198th podcast, a sort of post Europa League Champions League final mashup. Uh having talked about the game and the specifics around some of the performances in the players within the game a lot in the previous half of this podcast. Part 2, we now talk a lot about Unai Emery and what we feel about his performance as the season has gone on and what should happen next. So, yeah, much as we can keep talking about the final and the disappointments and fouls and uh, all the Chelsea smugness and seeing Giroud celebrating on a plane and all the, or a coach or whatever it was and all the rest of it, um, as you said off-air, it's time to cut to the chase. Unai Emery. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of reluctant to get into full season grades for the whole squad and only that nonsense. So, with that in mind... Uh, What's your take? What, where, I mean, where do you see things going forward? Where do you see things now? And, and what do you think should happen with Unai Emery? I suspect you might be slightly more critical of the manager than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I suppose to me, those, those questions have very different answers. You know, what do I think should happen to the manager versus what do I think will happen to the manager? Um, personally, I can't see anything happening. I just think uh, we we stuck with one manager for twenty odd years. We're not likely to throw the next one out after a season of. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to call it mediocrity. You might disagree. Um, um, no, I'd say it's it's
0: mostly mediocrity, uh, a continuation of the mediocrity of the year before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but that's my that's my biggest issue with it is. The whole point of changing the manager is to affect a change in the team, and I haven't seen anywhere near enough to suggest that I think that we're even heading in the right direction. You know, I, I think our defence has got worse, our attack has got worse. You know, it's one thing if you sacrifice attacking um, sharpness in favour of building a more solid base, because at the end of the day, that's what Liverpool have done mm. over the last sort of
0: 12 six, months. twelve, of eighteen yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But we haven't done that. We've got the same old defence. You could argue it seems even more calamity um, exposed than usual. And we haven't seen any compensation at at the opposite end of the pitch. Um, I think that my biggest criticism, actually, of Unai Emery, is I go to watch games now and it's boring.
0: Mm. I'd say that's a fair criticism. And I'd say... uh...
1: And not like boring, boring 1 nil to the Arsenal boring. No. Boring, uh, boring, boring let's fluke a goal off our backsides and paper over the cracks that actually were bloody terrible uh, in the bottom half.
0: I mean, for, for me, it's. For, for me, I find it very hard to separate the last season of Arsenal and the first season of Unai Emery. Obviously, we had some some arrivals in the summer, um, some of whom have been more successful than others, none of whom Unai Emery had any say in. Perhaps he had an influence over the Gendouzi transfer. Perhaps not. We don't know that. We know that he didn't have any say of the others because most of them were wrapped up before he took over. So we know that the team hasn't got better significantly in any particular area. We know it's improved slightly in some areas and got worse in others. We've been more competitive in big games. Um, see,
1: when the team got better? Because I see individuals who've got better, but I don't see any improvement in the unit at all. I think... Well, uh, in attack, the fact that our strikers are scoring at an um, elevated rate compared to what you would expect yeah. is, is covering for the fact that actually we're not creating as many chances.
0: But I think also one has to look in, in a broader context as well in that the players that have been available, I mean, you know, Lacazette and Bamiang, God love them, they're not creative players. And agreed. No, the f- Their fa- And the fact that they are our best to attacking players, and we don't have any real wingers, has meant that our formation has changed in a way which, which creates less chances. Uh, the difficulty is, is it's if you're comparing it to the last season of Arsene Wenger chance creation or previous seasons. We have less players in the squad now who are going to create chances. We've got two strikers who are more likely to take chances. But if you look at it, uh, even last season, um, you had Giroud for half the season who, for all his flaws, did contribute significantly to build up play against weaker teams at home. Uh, And you had, for the first half of the season, and for about half of that genuinely interested Alexis Sanchez, who despite the oh th- no,
1: I'm not having that, Matthew. He was bloody pants all season.
0: But if you look at it statistically, he still created and ch- more chances than a lot of our players this season. I'm not denying that he was phoning in, and I'm not denying that he's fallen off a fucking cliff at Man United and hooray for that. But I he was yeah, creating but more I, it's not like
1: he was brilliant for us. We sold him, and then he was shit. He was shit that first, that first six months of last season at the Emirates, every game people were turning to each other and going, can we just tell him to fuck off because he is doing absolutely nothing. And the fact that he snapped a few goals up from close range and you can look at his assist stats all you like, but quite often that's him taking a pot shot, it ricocheting to someone and then putting in the rebound.
0: I, I'm, not to, I'm not saying that he was great. I'm not even saying he was anywhere near the standard it had been before. What I was saying is for the last half season with us, even though he was playing shit, For much of that time and and tarting around and pouting he was still proving more productive in terms of numbers from a wide position than anyone we've had this season now that's not to say that he wasn't also losing the ball a lot that's not to say he wasn't playing selfishly for himself but because he was playing selfishly for himself we were seeing more shots on goal and yes he was generating rebounds and things and possibly the one thing that we miss from alexis more than anything else is he was just as good stroke bad away from home as he was at home. So uh, so he was one of the few players in the squad whose level of performance wasn't significantly different, either at the Emirates or away from the Emirates. And even though he wasn't playing anywhere near the level he'd been the previous two years for us, it did mean that he was actually still one of our most productive players away from home <laughs> which is which is tragic and is not a reflect not a reflection of him being brilliant it's a reflection of how fucking shit everything else was but
1: but I was going to say but you say that actually we've taken a lot more points away from home this season than last season Despite yeah. still being utterly abysmal away from home.
0: Well, that's partly. I because... I mean, we
1: just, we just sent the benchmark so.
0: Well, that's partly because after Alexis, low. after Alexis left, we 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 literally got the win against Huddersfield, and that was it away from home for the whole of the second half of last season. Um, you know, we would what points we did get away from home last season. Mostly well, we, we the didn't we
1: do did exactly the same this year, though. I think yeah. we hadn't won away from home in 2019 until we beat Huddersfield.
0: Um, well, very possibly, but we. But, <laughs>
1: Oh no! It was worse than that. It wasn't that we hadn't won. We hadn't taken a point away from home
0: last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, last...
1: no that the, the season just gone.
0: Well, we had a run of doing that, but still, we had better away form than we had the previous season. Which yeah, is... but
1: most of it came from that stretch of whatever twenty-two unbeaten or whatever it was that we had before Christmas.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. And the team has fallen off a cloth, off a cliff rather since Christmas. And I do think that some of that uh, i think emery can take what i would criticize emery for is i'd say that in the f- in the run-in when the team was on its ass and you know half the players were, didn't look fit and they were struggling with it he chose the wrong games to rotate the team in and essentially what will haunt unai emery is the fact that after a tough europa league game he prioritized trying to get points away at wolves rather than at home against crystal palace because he took that game for granted and that Crystal Palace game really shot the sort of yeah shot the legs out from underneath the rest of the season because when you're running on fumes, because your players are all knackered, you want to make sure that you're playing with confidence. And that, that defeat d- significantly damaged our confidence. And there were players playing in that game who were not up to it. And I'm not criticising the players specifically because it wasn't that they weren't trying, but they were not the players that Unai Emery would have in his first-choice team. Uh, and I can understand why he did it, but ultimately, it, 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 in a cold light of day, it was a mistake. Particularly when you consider that we were only two points off the top four. One. Wow. Um, well, two points off being two top... Two points off third, one
1: point off Tottenham.
0: Yeah, but Tottenham had a better goal difference.
1: Yeah, but that that, <laughs> that one point is a Bamiang's penalty. That one point is Brighton at home yeah, on the I know. day of the season. Or you know, or not,
0: or not. That's that's players. something
1: that worries me. You know, we're sitting here and having this debate because we haven't got Champions League football. Yeah. But actually, the reality is, if Aubameyang had scored with one kick of a ball,
0: yeah,
1: we'd be sitting here going, well, some people would. I probably wouldn't because, as I say, I'm fucking bored of it. But some people would be sitting here saying, well, he achieved the season's target. That's how you know. Those are the, the fine margins we're working with here. Yeah. But actually. As I say, I think that would be papering over the cracks. I haven't. I don't want us to become a club that hires and fires managers for fun. But equally, how often do you see a new manager come in and not have the have any impact? You know, we we're, we're a team. We've got a team of yes, players with issues, but ultimately very talented footballers. And he's been brought in as a coach mm. who's apparently unable to drill those players into a better unit than they are a bunch of individuals.
0: Well, I, would, I mean, I would I, I would say there is mitigation. And the, the reason why I think there's mitigation is that I think every time he found a formula that seemed to be working, we got a significant injury to a key part of that formula in the same way that we saw under Arsene Wenger. Um, and I would say that the loss of... Uh, but that's
1: what I mean. Arsene Wenger built, uh, you know, like a a beautiful idea of a wonderful puzzle so as soon as you take a piece of the puzzle out you're screwed yeah. Yeah. because you can't you can't get the right picture but the po- the whole point was that Emery was brought in to bring more of a structured approach to which, build which, which we saw in big games can have interchangeable parts so you know if if cog 1 breaks down you can just slot a different cog into place
0: yeah but if you but and and I agree with that but then you have to look at what the cogs that he's using are and essentially, you know, Wenger. I and mean, when it worked, God love him, we loved it. He, he loved getting specialists. You know, yeah. he'd always, he'd yeah. always, he'd always say, focus on what you're good at and be brilliant at that. But the problem is that now you've got a squad full of specialists who aren't as good as the previous squads of specialists. And but you've at the same time you've then hired a manager who wants to play multifunctional football. And, and wants generalists more than specialists, and he wants specialists in two or three positions. And then, but you've given him a squad. Well, he's he's been he's inherited a squad where there's only about three or four players who can actually perform more than one role competently.
1: No, I hear you. And there are clearly some roles within our team that are are stretched thinner than others. But you tell me how you know people like Genduzi and Torreira, for example,
0: yeah.
1: are players who could be very easily be moulded into fitting. The same structure and being like for like replacements in terms of a function within within the team and just operating in slightly different ways.
0: Yeah, and I think, and and I think,
1: and arguably, you could say the same about Iwobi and Azul, for example. Similar skill sets make them equipped to play in a certain position.
0: I totally disagree with that, but I, d- I do agree with you. With t- I think Terere. Terraria... I'm not
1: saying that Azul can play in Iwobi, but Iwobi could certainly play in an Azul position with a different different skill set i i'm i'm talking you know what i talked more about our attack was okay already yeah and we needed to bring more defensive solidity to the team and my view is defensively we still look like we did not know what we're doing and that is not a that's not a i need to find a moment of magic to unlock a defense that needs you know a certain talent that's people knowing their jobs people being drilled in certain Set pieces, for example, into a a structure that they take up when we're defending certain situations.
0: Okay, well, to pick up on that exact example, uh, up until the last month of the season or month and a half of the season, Arsenal had the best record in the UK defending set pieces.
1: But we also did last year. We've been consistently good from set pieces for a number of years. But what it ignores is it's not the first ball that we're shit at defending. No. It's the second ball. It's when it gets headed out and it comes back in. That is where our players look like they haven't got a flaming clue what they're doing.
0: But what some I... of them
1: come out, some of them drop back. It's just a mess. And how is that, how has that not been sorted out over over 12 months? I just don't get it.
0: Well, the answer is you look at the personnel, you know. You, you look at the defenders we've got at the club. We got Hector Bellerin, who who did take step forward steps forward this season, and his in. I mean, his injury. Agreed.
1: His positional play was better, but that's where I said I, credit where it's due. There have been some individuals yeah.
0: who have improved. But, 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 but let me continue. If you
1: look at Huddersfield, right? We beat Huddersfield what one nil? Mm. Possibly both times, or let's put it this way: they weren't exactly games we cruised. Yeah. Because they took the players that they had available and that you know the second time round they had some you know fairly big holes in their team but they had players who just knew their jobs defensively and did them
0: but then again you you have to you, that it's partly coaching but it's partly strategy because as arsenal you can't set up like huddersfield because you know huddersfield No agreed agreed I, it's you, not you, you, it's you, not
1: you, a one size fits all approach and it doesn't work for creating opportunities. But, 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 but I'd on. say
0: that where, the, where the mitigation for me is is the fact that uh, at no, you know, we can talk about the defensive line not working and I think everyone can see that. The problem has been uh, and it's the same problem that for largely affected uh, parts of uh, Wenger's teams as well is that you're trying to build offensive cohesion when you are barely able to put out even half of the same defence from week to week, except when you've got your weakest defenders to choose from. You know, again, when we had, when we had Bellerin holding uh, Socrates, or, you know, or possibly Cush- when Koscielny was first coming back, but Bellerin holding Socrates and Monreal before Monreal got his injury and then fell off a fucking cliff we were a lot we were still not great defensively but we were a lot better than we were as soon as one or two of those players went out and then you look at the rest of the defensive unit you've got Koscielny who has been like the one thing keeping our defense together for the last three or four years and and he came back was really rusty then looked really good for about a month month and a half and then for the last month of the season his legs have gone completely he can't run you've got uh,
1: here's why i don't buy it Matthew so you think when we played Everton, yeah, they brought Phil Jagielka back in. He hadn't played for ages,
0: but that pr- not- that game was our midfield that cost us that game.
1: No, agreed, agreed. But uh, the point I'm making is that other teams. See- we we still had chances in that game. Yeah, and we or sh- we had we had attacks, I should say. Yeah, and Jagielka had an absolute worldie. He slotted straight into that defence. They covered each other beautifully. And uh, the understanding with Dinya was impressive. We couldn't find a way through for love nor money in that game. That's one example. But you, I can, but you can explain far, that For me to praise Tottenham, you know, you know well my love for Tottenham, or lack thereof. But they played games this season where they've played Sissoko, Wanyama, and people like that in games in central defence because of the way injuries have panned out. Sometimes before the game, sometimes during the game. And to me, that's just a case of people understanding where they should be, and indeed where their teammates should be. If you only ever coach people about where they should be, that makes it much harder to see where the gaps are and to, to communicate about what needs to happen.
0: But also, that's that for that to work is also dependent on having the setup elsewhere to, to defend those stand-in players. Whereas you look at the Arsenal midfield, you know, except for that first half of the season. Where Torreira was really firing before he clearly got knackered, and 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 the season caught up with him. Our midfield has been, as it has been for like parts of the last few years, was parting like the Red Sea, and and it's partly because we've got no athleticism in midfield. Torreira's got a little bit of acceleration, a bit of bite, but he's not an athlete because he's just too small mm-hmm. to be a to be a you know a midfield monster. You got Xhaka, who lovely left foot can't run for shit, and then you had you were trying to slot Ramsey in there, who you know. God love him, he's not a defensive player, even though he can do a job in a central two to an extent. So you've got a makeshift defense full of aging players or players that aren't good enough, then then behind a midfield that doesn't offer a significant protection. And also when you've got when for me the bigger problem is when the attacking area is not functioning, then it's other teams push for you know it's much easier for them to put pressure on our weaker positions. And as we saw against you know the Everton game you know, we had a central midfield that game with El Neni and Gendouzi, and my God, was it a shit show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we created nothing going forward, but also Gendouzi doesn't have the defensive instincts to really be able to cover defensively with any regularity. And Elneny's confidence is shot. He's gone. <laughs> you know, he's not even the player that we signed who wasn't really good enough and but thought we, we thought we were able to slot in on occasions. And so, there. I mean, for me, the biggest problem is, like, we... We just we don't have the pl- we don't have the players for the system that, that that Emery wants to play any of his preferred systems. Uh, we don't have the players that can really make it work, and we've got too many players in key positions who are either not up to it or or not up to it anymore. With on a regular basis, you know, we saw him try and phase out the accident mis- uh, prone Mustafi, but then everyone else kept getting injured, so he kept on having to play Mustafi. And then every time he played Mustafi, Mustafi made a cock up, and everyone was like, Why the fuck are you playing Mustafi? And it's like, Because I've got no one else! <laughs> I'm not picking some 17 year old uh, without a first team appearance behind him. Or you could look at the left back situation. We've got one left back who can't run anymore, and another left back doesn't have to play left back. you got right back, where you've got Bellerin was great, then he got injured, and then you've got a midfielder who's barely got any first team experience. One bloke who can't run, another bloke who, who can't turn corners. You know, you've got a situation where you're constantly chopping and changing between mostly substandard parts, while still having a team where you're expected, because of your expectations as a team, to be the driving force in a match. You know, it, it's one of those strange things. But for all his panic stations, this team would benefit from Colo Touré, because you've got someone who has the has the, the physicality and the and the athleticism to perform a cover job, but still has some technical capacity and as long as he's got a senior partner can do all right but for me you know we're looking at the way forward and the transfer budget I'd spend it all on a you know full backs and centre half and fill the rest of the positions internally
1: Yeah to be honest I mean I hear everything you're saying and it just makes me think these are all reasons why our team is not good enough to win the league And it's a reason why we're, you know, scratching around to get close to top four. Mm. But they're still, for me, not reasons why we didn't see any improvement on last year. And that's how I feel about it. I feel the only metric by which we improved was points. And I feel like that was... Uh, okay, we probably took slightly more from the big games than last season. Yeah, we did. I haven't yeah. added it up to check that. We it did, certainly we felt got, like we played yeah, we more d- effectively did, did. in big games anyway. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, you look at that, I mean, we lost to Stoke probably at least once last year. Um, so that's three points better off we were this season, no matter what. <laughs> um, it just feels like every other metric you could look at, including eye test, enjoyment, we were measurably worse off and I just expect you know with with the same resources I expect a measure of improvement and I didn't see that. I take all your points about players being injured and players declining but it's not like we didn't have injuries last season and again you know last season we only had half a year of Aubameyang for example.
0: Yeah I mean for, for me the only reason the injuries are something of an excuse is because Emery's very clearly want you know, you saw what he was trying to do at the start of the season and it was a bit hit and miss, but it made sense. It made sense for modern football. It made sense for some of the changes that us as fans thought were needed. And then because, because of the injuries he got, he then essentially in a scrabble for points, abandoned a number of those things, which for me, I think was a mistake. Um, I mean
1: realistically we're we're talking about two season long injuries and then a couple of players who've been in and out to a certain degree, well, but who've also been and out to a certain degree for a number of seasons.
0: Well, you got holding for for more than half. Holding a season, of Bellerin, I will. I will take Danny take, Welbeck. Take your, Danny Welbeck missed the entire season, and Danny Welbeck started this season in better form than he than he'd started any other season for Arsenal. And yes, he wouldn't have you know been there ahead of a, a Bamiyang and Lacazette, but he would have given the opportunity to rotate those players. He can also play do a job out wide. You know, I think Danny Welbeck was a significant loss. Again, we had. Ah,
1: well, there, there. I think we uh, would probably agree to disagree well, on that. I'm one.
0: not saying he. I'm not saying he, he would have transformed us, but I'm saying that he he probably would have got us some. Yeah, more I'm points. not
1: arguing that he could have a part to play in the odd game here or there, but for me.
0: Well, I think I think with the actual bigger impact of someone like Danny Welbeck being injured, is, it meant that uh, the impact of uh, and you saw it with the other injuries we had. The impact of the Europa League on our league form was. Greater than it needed to be because we couldn't fucking rotate at the back end of the season at all. We didn't have the players to rotate. When we did try and rotate, we ended up with Carl Jenkins and getting ripped a new one by Wilfred Zaha. Um, we we literally that was it. And and you looked at the other you know look at the other t- teams who were competing for the top four. Chelsea, as soon as Europa League started, their their form went tits up again. Spurs, their form went down the toilet towards the end of the season for the European Games. Man United was a different beast because they were up and down like a yo-yo. No,
1: no, 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 steady on. Spurs' form went down the toilet because they're Spurs and they always get bottly at the end of the season. (laughs)
0: Well, there's probably an element of that as well, but we can't be too smug about that one this year. (laughs) I think
1: we were just pretty shit for the whole of the second half, to be fair. I don't think there was any sort of noticeable decline. I suppose Brighton at home was a low point
0: well if you think of the, the paucity of the performances in the league from everton onwards that there was there was a, there was a, a marked, marked drop off and i think part of that is the lack of rotation and i'm not saying that emery gets a pass you know i would say that for me emery has earned the right to have one season where he has some impact over what players are at the club and and we need to see if if he can do, as has been stated by the powers that be, as the as, as the intention of you know smart recruitment and blooding the youngsters. You know, I think a lot of Arsenal fans at the moment are at a stage where, you know, if we're going to have another season of finishing fifth, then we might then we might as well so let's let's give some more of the young players a look in, particularly. Yeah, in those will areas. you tell
1: me why we haven't done that this season a bit more? I just don't understand it. You know, if we're sitting here talking about issues with rotation, I'm not saying it's it's not been an issue. I probably don't give it quite as much importance in the season as you do, um, partly because actually I don't think we picked up a whole bunch of injuries as a result of it. It was more that we just got a few players a bit. For me, the the main player who was affected by it was Koscielny because we ended up playing him into the ground position. Well, also
0: also Ramsey. And Ramsey to agree.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I think the problem
1: is... Did you read that interview where Unai Emery was like, oh, we had the, uh, the information that Ramsey was at risk. Um, before that game, he got injured in. But he wanted to play, and you're thinking, "Sorry, who are you again? Who well, makes the decisions here?"
0: I have to admit, I did read no, that, is, and this
1: I, isn't Sarri and Kepper. I,
0: I did have the same thought, but then I also thought back to the amount of times Wenger was sort of going, "Oh God, oh I was going to rest him, but then I thought I'd play him, and then he busted his fucking cruise about about various yeah, yeah, yeah. years. But we
1: brought Emery in to improve <laughs> on some of the things that Arsene was a bit. Uh, Lacks lacking it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to repeat the same Groundhog Day mistakes.
0: Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Um, and I think that was basically just because I think some because I, it was
1: the only player that made our team look any good.
0: I think it was essentially, I think Emery made mistakes at the end of the season due to the pressure of trying to get top four. I and and for me, I thought up until. I think the thing that gives us all pause for thought and makes us think, maybe, maybe this isn't the guy to take us forward. Yeah, I think we'd all be willing to accept the slightly crap football that there was at points of this season, if we had got anything like the expected points haul out of the last seven league games. Yeah, because if, if then, then we would see all some last sort of Five progress. games
1: and we'd won all our last five games. We wouldn't think anything of it. We'd yeah. be like, well, you know, we played okay over the course of a season.
0: And, and and but the, the thing is, we don't know. We can theorise as to why that happened, but we don't really know. And that's and that's that that's what makes it quite difficult. Is it a mentality thing? We know this club has had a, this squad has had mentality issues for a, for a long time, and cracks under pressure. Is Here's it a question fact, for you, Matthew. Thing? Yeah,
1: the great Arsenal Man United sides of certainly my sort of formative football watching years. Were renowned for the fact that. When push came to shove, if they were a goal down yeah. with 10 minutes to go, they would throw everything you could possibly imagine at you and you would be under the cosh. Unless you got a, a pressure-relieving goal on mm. the counter-attack, you would be under the cosh, probably wouldn't see the ball for the last 10-15 minutes of a game. Yeah, I can't remember the last time this Arsenal side, if it was one goal down with 10-15 minutes left, really went hell for leather to have a go.
0: Probably the back end of the 16-17 season. Yeah, uh, and this is this is what this is what makes it so hard to make a judgment call about is, is it that Emery is what the most critical fans of PSG say is, or is it that basically this squad is fucked, <laughs> and we don't know, <laughs> and and we know that Emery can't improve some of the players as much as we'd like. We know that he we can say for sure that he improved. He improved Bellerin, he improved holding, he improved Iwobi, and he got slightly more out of Xhaka until the back end of the season. Also, Lacazette appeared to take a step forward, but was that but I would give that less to Emery personally. Um, we know that there's those the improvements, we know that his tactical setup in big games were better. We know that his ability to take points against crap teams at home was worse, or at least dominate those games. But the problem i suppose what, what makes it hard is the biggest issues this team has have been the biggest issue this team has had for the last 3 years yeah and and the question is is ideally we we hoped that emery would be a magical unicorn that would solve some of those issues but that's
1: not a magical unicorn though a magical unicorn would be solving all of those issues instantly yeah i don't think it's too much to ask that we saw some improvement in some areas of our game and I I just look at it and think we lost more games last year, sure but we probably lost more games because we did have a bit more of a go you know I, I, I obviously spoke about us having a proper go at the end of games but I feel like at least we did have a go last season, it was more likely that we would concede as a result but we did have a go whereas this season I feel like We've had a number of games that have just petered out.
0: Yeah, and for me, I'd agree with you. That is the biggest concern. You just
1: felt resigned, you know. Like I've watched, I've watched far too much of Spurs this season for my liking. And I was watching Tottenham Brighton, I think it was, where I think Ericsson scored in like the eighty seventh minute. Yeah. But there was just this feeling of inevitability about it. I was watching it, thinking, I don't know why I'm watching this because it's nil nil, and we all know that Spurs are going to score.
0: Yeah.
1: And when we had Olivier Giroud. Spurs felt like that about us. Bill used to say to me, when Giroud came on, every single time, I think he's going to score a goal.
0: I have to say that I I, I was actually having this conversation with him the other day and saying that I think that Giroud, letting Giroud go to Chelsea, I understand why it happened, but it was a massive fucking mistake. I
1: I don't understand why it happened.
0: Well, I understand why it happened. It became because Wenger was always massively loyal to the individual interests of his players. That's why it happened. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's long and the short of it um, I do also think that I, I agree what you say is the biggest for me is the biggest single concern about Emery is that he's too conservative in, in, against teams that we shouldn't need to be conservative against I think he's shown a greater tactical intelligence in, in some of the bigger games this season but I think in the games that we should expect to win as Arsenal Football Club I think he's been too conservative too often and that, yes. and that, for me, is like, if that doesn't change next year, then it's time to bin him. But, I mean... Yeah, I
1: guess the problem I have is I've seen enough this season that makes me think I don't think he has the right approach, mindset, skill set to turn around this club in the way that it needs turning around. And... I think the problem you've got is you could go through ten managers and not necessarily find that that manager mm. but equally that doesn't make it right to stick with one if you reach a point where you're sure they're not the answer and I have reached that point
0: yeah, and I haven't and I'm at the yeah. po- and i'm and I'm at the point where i'm for me, it's like he's got he, he's got two more years in his contract and he's got one more year guaranteed because you always give someone a, a, a one year longer on their contract than you, than you waiting to see if they're good enough because otherwise they're a dead man walking and the whole thing becomes irrelevant. So for me, he's got one more year on his contract. The transfer budget is pitiful. He's got limited control over transfers, so there's only so much damage he can do in that particular area. <laughs> uh, you know, but if he turns out to have bad judgment... it's So not-
1: Who who does have control of this mythical transfer budget?
0: Well, obviously he's going to have an influence, but at the moment it's the it's Tweedledum and Tweedledee upstairs because we're all waiting for Edu to come along and and, and save us.
1: And does that fill you with happiness, Matthew? Because it certainly doesn't fill me with happiness. It,
0: it doesn't fill me with happiness, but it is the reality of the situation, and <laughs> getting a new manager is not going to change that reality. Well,
1: wow, let's hope Edu comes in sooner rather
0: than later. I mean, the, it seems like we're about to buy a guy that Edu's been putting in a good word for us about, so maybe, uh, maybe that's uh, an influence there already. Who knows? But for me, it's a case of let's give him a transfer window to see if he can oversee some renewal of this team. Because it was clear, even when he came, that this team needed renewal. We've got an ageing squad, for the most part, of players who are either past their best or aren't going to be good enough. Um, And so whatever happens, whoever's got the job, they've got to do some turnover. And the question is, has he got the courage to do that next year with the pressures of pursuing top four? and has he got the courage to make the team play more in in an attacking style more akin to as he has done at some of his previous clubs if the answer is no then he'll find himself out of a job before the end of next season and if the answer is yes then we might feel better about things and for me it's that cut and dry
1: yeah my, my my other concern is his ability to manage a group of players i think for the right reasons to me i felt this season like he's benched players Um, You know, you can argue all you like about Ozil, um, but for me, benching Ramsey was an absolute nonsensical decision, particularly when you looked at how we were playing. And I think it was, you know, like we spoke about earlier, results papering over performances. The reality was we looked tepid, stale, and about as dynamic as a slow worm in many of those games. Meanwhile, we've got a player who... Basically, if you were to describe him in like a word, you'd call him the engine of a team. You well,
0: know, I, I mean, for me, the question, I, the, the the thing about Ramsey is, what? Uh, clearly, he was dropped for contractual reasons. Clearly. Which is
1: just shit, because what's the point in keeping a player, yeah. paying the money, and then not paying playing them?
0: And I would, uh, and I would say that. What was one of the, the tragedies of the season is Emery worked out how he could use Ramsey, and then just as that was really starting to yield results in important matches, as has been so often the case in the past, and is probably why the club isn't renewing his contract, Ramsey's hamstring went uh, just at the point where Ramsey's position in the team had created some momentum, and he had made himself undroppable to the end of the season. <laughs> yes.
1: No, um, well, the argument goes. I, I mean, I'm not behind the scenes. I've got no, absolutely no idea how true it is. But the argument is that actually it was Emery's decision to pull the contract because he, you know, because of the situation.
0: Well, I've heard of three different arguments, which are all slightly contradictory, and I have no idea which to believe. That is entirely possible. It's also possible that the decision was made from above his head, um, and and he was think trying to initially enforcing his ideas trying to think beyond that point or it's possible that the the other thing I've heard is that because Ramsey's contract was withdrawn he uh well I've heard also that Ramsey's agent's a prick and was fucking us around for a year for the best part of a year (laughs) yeah well don't get me wrong
1: I've I've certainly heard tell that Ramsey never wanted to sign that contract but I'm pretty sure if you drop someone they're probably unlikely, and tell them that they're not really who you want to play. They're probably not likely to sign another extension, are they? Well, in their career when they've got teams like Juventus on the back burner.
0: Well, I mean, the, the, as far as the official line goes, you know, the club off. Well, the club have, have tried to cover over the bit that makes Ramsey look bad. Actually, that they'd offered him a contract quite some time ago, and his agent had basically been, yeah, his agent
1: had pricked about and refused to sign it, hoping to.
0: Get exactly either because he didn't
1: ever want to sign it or because he wanted to negotiate a better deal the way yeah. uh, Rooney school of negotiation
0: Yeah, what he wanted to do is he wanted to be able to say look Juventus are willing to pay us this much so pay us this much or we'll fuck off which is essentially where it got to but the thing is is someone at the club level whether it, and we don't know if it was Emery or if it was the board made the decision that paying Ramsey the kind of money that even Gazidis was happy to pay him was not Good for the long-term health of Arsenal, given the other contracts they've got. We don't know who made that decision, and that's and the problem is. But it just
1: feels a bit weird, given that the management is very much the same as the management that made the decision to splunk a load of cash on Mesut Özil. Well, it isn't. You that's know.
0: the point. It isn't. That's the point. The Özil decision we know now was fundamentally even Gazinas, who was basically yes. who overruled Wenger, and did so before. Sanyehi or any of the others oh, came into position. He put the first
1: contract in front of
0: Ramsey. He put the first contract in front of Ramsey, but he didn't withdraw the contract offer. The contract offer was withdrawn by some combination of Sanyehi, Venkatashan, and Emery. We don't know where the power is. It looks like Sanjeev's the main power broker in that, but we don't be, we can't be sure. The fact is, is Ramsey had this big fat contract waiting to be signed. It didn't get signed. Then Gazida's fucked off, and suddenly the contract offer was removed. <laughs> That's what we know. We don't know anything more beyond that. Um
1: yeah but that that's to me that is a decision that they knew full well the impact that that would have because yeah that that is
0: but we, the we, reality
1: we, is whatever contract had been put in front of Ramsey if they thought they were going to be able to pull it and put one that was worth about a third of the value in front of them they were having a lot
0: no they 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 just but the thing is they didn't offer him another contract they just pulled it because yeah because they came to the conclusion that the, whether they'd got to to make the offer, they realised they couldn't offer a lower offer, but they came come to the conclusion that it wasn't worth it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the problem is, is we don't know who specifically came to that conclusion, but we know it was a post-Even Gazidis conclusion. <laughs> um, we don't know if, did the, did the manager have a significant influence in that, or was the manager reacting to that, and that's what we don't know. And Arsenal always try and keep those cards quite close to their chest. Of course, Emery did throw Ramsey under the bus a bit recently, suggesting that Ramsey was distracted by the contract situation. Which I
1: think bullshit.
0: I suspect suspect, uh, there may have been a tiny element of truth, but it was overplayed to try and defend Emery's position. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah,
1: but I'm not being funny. If he was distracted by a contract, he'd have been distracted by the fact that he's fucking off to Juventus. And what we've seen from him in the last three months is not the distraction of a player, or not not a player being distracted.
0: I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to try and paint that as a as a yay or nay either thing because it it could be more complicated than that. I don't know. I'm just going to I'm going to play the fifth here. I don't know. I think Ramsey yeah. is a great pro and his attitude has been great, but I also think it's plausible that when he didn't know where he's going to be playing next season and the club had just said, "No, actually, we're not going to give you the money we promised." That he might have been fucked off for a while. I can probably <laughs> kick off that management level
1: either directly or through his agent. What I can't believe is that he'd have let that carry on to pitch. And if Emery had spoken to anyone who's worked with Ramsey over the intervening years, he'd have been made aware of that. Yeah. And it just it just worries me as well in the context of Emery's history working with. I guess but I mean particularly you mean the Neymar. Contest- you're, you're, you're talking Neymar this season.
0: you're talking Neymar the Neymar story
1: I am talking Neymar yeah. but I'm also talking how he's treated Ozil this season I you know I'm not here for one second to defend anything or everything that Ozil does um you know clearly he had a very difficult summer last season um, and it's it's hard to know how much of that has has been an influence over how he's been this year but I'm pretty sure that after your your national team has basically thrown you under the bus and then reversed back over you again, that having your club manager then drop you because they consider that you don't run around enough isn't likely to make you feel particularly wanted.
0: But Emery did start the season trying to integrate Ozil into his way of playing, which is not very compatible with Ozil. I mean, it's it's a difficult one because, unfortunately... Emery's tactics don't suit Özil, but then Özil also played like shit a lot. <laughs> so, do you blame the manager or do you blame the player? Yeah, or? Well, you can
1: also argue. I mean, I, I had this. Who was who do I used to say it about? Um, I can't remember who I used to say it about. But there was a player that Wenger used to do this to too, where if you only ever throw them on for twenty minutes in a game where you desperately need something to happen. And where they've not played 90 minutes week in, week out for months, what do you expect them then to be able to make that decisive impact in that moment?
0: But the reason Ezra wasn't playing is because he wasn't fit. I mean, you know, we know he had back problems. We know that he pulled out of training a number of times because of injury. We, you know, the player himself has said several times this season he's struggled with fitness and injury and hasn't found his best form as a result. Emery's said it about, you know, we we want Ozil, Ozil needs to be fit. We know, You know, some of it might be a bit of a phony war of words, but we know that has Yeah,
1: and that, that's my point is, you know, there's no smoke without fire, don't get me wrong. Clearly, there's a little bit of that swimming around. But equally, there have been plenty of occasions when Ozil's been playing and then we've hooked him.
0: Yeah, but... A bit
1: like... Lacazette getting hooked. I mean, I can tell you now, the atmosphere inside the Emirates at times this season, when Lacazette has been hooked, has been toxic.
0: But actually, in quite a lot of those games when Lacazette's been hooked, it's proven to be the right decision. If you actually look at... Because quite often, the person who's come on for Lacazette has impacted the game.
1: Sometimes. Uh, generally, actually, the half he doesn't tend to be a person hooked at half-time, and it's those half-time no. subs that tend to have made a bit more of an impact. Um... Not. Certainly at the Emirates, I found a lot this season watching. We've taken Lacazette off. We've replaced him with someone. You, I mean, often to facilitate a change in formation, yeah. but quite often it's not made a discernible difference. And particularly when we take Lacazette off when we need a goal, you know, it's it's a far cry from you throw on all your, all your forwards and then you stick as many wide men and all the full backs on so that you can try and pile balls into the box and make chaos happen. There's just nothing of it about that. It just, like you said, being overly conservative, overly cautious in those moments, and taking off Lacazette to bring on Mkhitaryan, for example, is not a substitution that excites anyone.
0: No, and and this is one of, one of Emery's biggest flaws, actually, and speaking more broadly, is he's not someone who knows... Has he hasn't worked out really how to communicate to connect with the Arsenal fans within the stadium and to any and and the English football culture? He's he's very much a.
1: Can I be honest, Matthew? I haven't watched a United Emer- Emery press conference probably since August.
0: Well, oh, you're not missing anything.
1: Because I gave him a chance, there was, and obviously, you know, to be fair to him, English isn't his first language and it's something he's been working on. But even if you forget his, you know, even if you stop comparing his ability to communicate a point with Wenger, the content of what he has to say to me...
0: Is dull? Was,
1: <laughs> it was as dull as watching his teams.
0: Yeah, and, 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 this, and this for me is going to be... And I'm not
1: saying there's not the occasional gem there, but you you know, like... After a, after a game, whether we'd won, lost or drawn, Wenger would always have something to say that you'd be like, oh, that's quite interesting, or it would give you an insight into how he'd seen something. Whereas Emery, it's just like, oh.
0: Well, it's partly because what he says is you suspect even in Spanish is quite impenetrable. Um, I mean, don't get me, you know, I want to put my cards on the table here about one thing. I do not see Unai Emery as a long-term Arsenal manager. I see him as potentially someone that could be vaguely effective during a period of massive renewal and upheaval for the squad at a time when the club is undergoing a change. I see I would be astounded if he's here in in 3 years from now, even though I think he'd quite like to be because it's a big club. And I think is, you know, from a, from, the, from a boardroom perspective, his job might be to be the unpopular hatchet man. Uh, and I'm, Yeah, I,
1: I, I can take that point. And um, to me, there's two types of managers Arsenal need right now. now. Yeah.
0: Because
1: obviously if you have two managers, you'll do better than if you've got one. Um, <laughs> no, if um, exactly that type of manager you've just, decided, just defined, someone to oversee a period of transformation and effectively prepare the club for its next big sort of... Um, Mm, philosophical
0: yeah vision manager yeah yeah
1: change. um but i would like to think that you could get someone a little bit more functional or to who achieves a little bit more um basic functionality than what emory's delivered it for us certainly this year uh, you know effectively someone who you know, a good example is probably someone like harry Redknapp. And I'm not, for one second, advocating us hiring Harry Redknapp, to be clear. Well, but he's a he, player...
0: A, a, another goon yes, Spurs.
1: absolute maximum out of a pile of shit.
0: But that... Well, Harry Redknapp is a tactical clusterfuck, but a great motivator. Um,
1: exactly.
0: And, at the, and Unai Emery is kind of the opposite way around, to a certain degree.
1: Uh, is he? Yeah. Is he? Because I haven't seen that.
0: Well... You, you, I feel I, like
1: he's a terrible motivator from what I've seen of him. Well, you know, I, lots of lots of gestures and not a lot of contact. I appreciate he's probably very different behind the scenes, um, I, but tactically I haven't seen I, enough either. I, 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 I mean, you know,
0: personally I think
1: talk about substitutions. But why why are the tactics so wrong at the outset?
0: I think actually t- tactically he's been. Very, very good in some situations, and wider the mark in others. I think, I think our performance Yes,
1: he's he's been a he's made us more competitive in big games.
0: Yeah, and 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 he's got his. But
1: missed the point by miles in other games. And I think. And then, when the biggest game of our season rolled around, he's fucked it up.
0: Although that was partly because he didn't have any of the players to well, not any, but he didn't have the. Wow. players. I
1: was going to say let's let's not sweep so it all under, but yeah, but. To me, those players didn't look motivated to go out and play in a cup final. And for anything you want to say about Wenger, any of those three cup finals, no matter how down... You know, we were we were 2-0 down against Hull after eight minutes, for God's sake. I have to say, if that was an Unai Emery side, 2-0 down against Hull, which, let's face it, the way but we defend at times is perfectly plausible. Can you imagine us having the get-up-and-go to turn that around? But
0: is it an Unai Emery side or is it the players on the pitch?
1: Players, sure sure Uh, because
0: because frankly i mean without wishing to you know set come all old school english roar but there's a number of the players who in the arsenal squad at the moment who basically when when the shit hits the fan they don't have the the bollocks to be able to 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 not i'm not about run around a bit but to take control of themselves and the game and make sure you get your structure right make sure you get to set things up again and and you look at the you know so people talk about leadership it doesn't have to be all tub thumping and and and, and chest Yeah thumping. it's leading by example it's but, but we, going out
1: there and making something happen but you no, look I, but I, you I look at the team
0: that on the, you look at the players on the pitch in that game you have strikers who've done that a bit this season you have Keshoma who's trying to do that but can't run anymore and you had uh, Terreira had a didn't have a good game and is is trying to take on a bit of that role and Xhaka had a, a decent game compared to some of his teammates but but there's no one else there that could have provided. Again, okay, Jack
1: Jack is a, a bit like Urzel He's a player who can really make the team play a lot better, but he's not individually going to make the difference.
0: No, or but like we nearly did. What but, I would, what, what I would say is, you know, he a, a, once you got past Czech and Koshelny, Jacka uh, was the closest thing we had to a team leader on the pitch. Yeah. Whereas obviously, you know. Sadly, uh, again another moment where Ramsey would have been massive for us because you know there's one thing you can say about him is he, in his own way, he will try and make things happen and drive things forward. Whereas I think yeah, where, he never
1: hides. Whereas, He'll always want the ball, and that's why actually I think Owobi was very unlucky not to get picked. Yeah. From the start because he has this season he has been a player who it doesn't matter what situation he's in, his head hasn't dropped.
0: And I actually think if Mkhitaryan had been fit, we'd have seen a formation with Awobi and Mkhitaryan and no Oerzal in it, frankly. But Agreed, agreed, uh, agreed.
1: Oh, you say fit. Yes,
0: fit to be allowed in the country.
1: Available, <laughs> not persona non grata.
0: Indeed.
1: Um, no, but the other type of manager, you know, one, one option is to go for a transient manager, um, which the problem with that, I think, is you could go through transient manager after transient manager. And if you pick the wrong person, actually, you could be transitioning from A to C when actually C is nowhere near B. Yeah, um, with B being the uh, the ultimate goal, as it were. But the other type of manager you can go for is a, like you said, a vision manager straight yeah. away. Someone who knows that okay, it's going to you know there is going to be some shit in the intervening years. Um, it's going to take time, and it's about baby steps. But it's about building um a philosophy, and you know there is a certain attractiveness, I think, to being able to take something and build it from scratch. Certainly, I know uh, where where I work. I find it incredibly frustrating having to pick up other people's shit and
0: yeah, no, try
1: to turn it into magic. I'd far rather just go. Do you know what? It would take me less time to just go. Let's start again.
0: And actually, I agree with that. And I think if Arsenal hadn't made such a massive clusterfuck of their financial mismanagement over the last three years or four years, I think that would be a, a route I'd be keener to, to, to pursue at this point. But the fact is... You, te- you, you know, you've already asked Emery to come in and try and turn it, turn a team around when you've given him one summer of players that he's had no say over, and you now and now he's because he hasn't hit his targets, he's going to have less money to spend than in the teams coming up from the Championship, unless he can ship some people out. Um, you know, who's going yeah, to who? who long-term, what long term manager is going to want to stake their reputation on being asked to for, you know fulfill a long term vision when they're inheriting a... What is completely a mismatched squad, that uh, with no money to spend. <laughs>
1: yeah, but no money to spend if you keep the squad as is.
0: Well, I mean, Emery's not going to keep the squad as is anyway. So, but. Uh,
1: but I, I guess the, the way I look at it is, um, if you look at, I mean, our net spend over the last I don't know, five years is higher than many of the teams around us. Gross spend. Sure. Actually, no.
0: I- actually, I did. I, I went and broke this down exactly as statistically. Even though we have spent much more than we ever have done, and have made made a shit job of selling players, apart from Spurs, every team that we were competing for for the top six has has had a net spend considerably greater than us. Even Liverpool, even though despite their two massive sales.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Uh, the, the, I mean, that's 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 another part of the problem, isn't it? It's the fact that actually we have this sustainable ownership thing which means that uh, we're the only club outside apart from spurs in the top half of the table whose owners aren't putting money into the club
1: <laughs> yeah my yeah but my issue is we say apart from spurs right but spurs seem to do just fine not spending that much money okay they've had a couple of big windfalls from selling players like bale which have then allowed them to yeah invest in some Mid-cost players who've been wisely chosen, um, but they've also they've also done, much as it pays me to say it, what Arsenal Arsenal of twenty years ago were so good at, which was picking a bargain.
0: Yeah, And I. I that made the
1: difference?
0: I, I mean, some of their signings, I have to con- concede that when they were made, I was like, how the fuck did they get so and so, so like Ericsson and Dyer and and Ali and like. Anyone that fucking watches football knows about these players. How do they get them so cheap? <laughs> you know, half everyone in Europe knew about Christian Erickson, and yet they picked him up for like an absolute pittance. And it's like, how the fuck did that even happen? And yet they can sell yeah, it mean, no, for twenty now, million. It wasn't a pittance. Um you know, once you account for like
1: inflation. It was it was still decent money. It was but it was they, partly they, they
0: spent less on Christian Erickson than we did on Mohamed El neny it was yeah, let, let, cheap. Let's not um, I mean, even at the time, it was like a signing that was, like, cheap, for for the, for, the, for the you know he was t- touted as one of the best young attacking midfielders in Europe, and they paid like nine million for him. It, it, you yeah. know, this this wasn't this, you know that's how much you'd be paying for a player at that level of potential twenty years ago. They, you know, they've done they've done great great business, and they've done a great job of selling shit players for more money than they're worth as well, which
1: is yeah, and that that to me is where we if we want to talk about financial mismanagement,
0: oh, that's we so far have more issue. sold
1: players effectively, totally and our scouting functionality seems to have dropped off a cliff. Um, so for for me, there's plenty of places where we need to improve, but I just think if you bring in your vision manager now, I appreciate that there are some who won't want to come in with that challenge, but I think there's plenty of people who would be prepared to take over a club, particularly with the size and potential of Arsenal, mm. and see what they could do with it.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, hey.
1: Identifying the right person, on the other hand, I appreciate
0: is, there's the challenge. That is the challenge, and perhaps that's another reason to wait until our director of football is in place. But um I think I think the difficulty is also you know, not just the lack of transfer funds and the imbalance in the squad, but it's also. I mean, you look at it, Arsenal have a, have the worst squad out of the top six. They've got some, they've got a few very 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 good players that could play for a number of the others of the top six, but it's a squad they've got the worst squad, and the least spending money, and. No, I
1: don't. I'm not sure. I agree with that. I think we have the we have the worst
0: first 11 well, well I'd also say that we've our strength in depth is very limited to very specific positions
1: but I still think it's better than Spurs
0: I don't think so not when you look at the realities of Ramsey's leaving, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, leaving.
1: if we're talking about what we've had last season you know obviously our players are getting older each year as well whereas theirs tend to be a little bit younger but in this, in this previous season I would say our squad has been better than theirs and um, because they've had a similar issue that they've had a couple of positions well covered, but for the most part, they've had some serious gaps. Um, yeah. you know, they've gone through a whole season with basically one possible functioning striker and actually got away with it and performed better when he was injured.
0: And bizarrely managed to have the, the, the wooden plank who can't run score a winning goal in the Champions League quarter final and then transform the Champions League semi final, despite the fact that. He didn't. He he's basically looks shit every time he's played for them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, and the reality is, most Spurs fans are still sitting here going, "That that's not good enough." Yeah, I feel like we've spent far too much time on this podcast talking about Spurs. Matthew.
0: Well, I think it's probably a good time to start wrapping up anyway, uh, because it's time, and we've gone on for quite a long time. And frankly, any listeners that have got this far deserve some kind of reward. Uh, I don't have a reward, so just uh, except for my thanks and gratitude. Obviously, we'll be sometime over the summer doing slightly more in detail about uh, plans going forward, any transfers coming in, uh, particularly as now it's the silly season and, it get, and the names get even more creative now we've got no money. Uh, but when also,
1: thought there's cricket to distract us, Matthew.
0: Well, something like that. Yes, yeah, I love cricket, but uh, I'm not sure that's much comfort to many other people. <laughs> um, and uh, of course a specifics uh, season review about certain elements and of course we've got the 200th pod coming up for which uh, I'm going to try and organise something special but we'll uh, wait to hear about that or you will wait to hear about that hopefully um, so yeah before we go on any longer it's been quite long enough I'd just like to thank Helen for helping us through this almost cathartic but frustrated I don't know what we'd call it experience therapy, of...
1: Matthew. it's <laughs> been therapy
0: well, hopefully it's also therapy for someone listening as well as just for us, too. <laughs> uh, as I say, thanks again, listeners. If you've got any questions, anything you want us to look into in the summer, any transfer rumours you want us to follow up, anything to do with tactical setups or the youth team, or any of that sort of stuff, do get in touch at at Pod. That's at Daily Pod on Twitter. And we will happily do some legwork for you. Other than that, have a good week, everyone. And we will speak to you only too soon. All right, take care, one and all. Cheers.
1: Here we he go.